Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, and welcome to uh, the last week of this, the last show of this week. And I hope my, I hope I'm not getting this garbled uh, stuff. I don't sound garbled like I did yesterday. Uh, let me know, and uh, if so, I'll have to move on to my my cell. Okay, uh, this is uh, Thursday, uh, September third. And uh, Amy's telling me it sounds okay. Thank God. Okay. So um, I was just scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. Uh, that we get back to another world where we didn't even know what scrolling was. And we somebody might have thought I meant, did she say she was strolling? No, I'm scrolling, and I came on this, and I actually saw it in real time because I watched. And uh, this was our attorney general, God help us, uh, the loathsome uh, William Barr on uh, CNN yesterday did an interview with Wolf Blitzer. (laughs) And here is a quote. This is exactly what they this SOB said. It was in regard to, in response to a question uh, by Blitzer about systemic racism um, in America and in specifically in policing. And here is what the Attorney General, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the country said. There appears to be a phenomenon in the country where African-Americans feel that they're treated when they're stopped by police frequently as suspects before they're treated as citizens. I don't think that that necessarily reflects some sort of deep-seated racism. I mean my God, this man is supposed to be an intelligent man. You can see his intelligence working to minimize uh, the reality of racism uh, by insertion of words such as appears, there appears to be, which means that it might not exist. And then he says a phenomenon phenomenon uh, where African-Americans feel, again, all of this is, is minimizing, is, uh, it's just, this is someone in a position of extraordinary power, knowingly, because he knows and he later sort of admits that, yeah, it appears <laughs> that they are, yeah, that, uh, yeah, things seem to happen, but, uh, yeah. So for all his appears and feels and seems, so he just, and then, he, he, well, it, it's, 
I don't think that that necessarily reflects some sort of deep-seated racism. Right. God, sorry to begin with that unpalatable. I just want to tell Amy, I just heard myself, God help me, say, hello, this stuff, and then I stopped. Just wanted you to know. Okay, so I started with Bill Barr, and I'm afraid I'm going to do something even worse to you. I am. I came upon something in the Washington Post today, which uh, I was fearful of, of reading, but I waded in anyway. And now I'm dragging you in with me, okay? I recall um, a few weeks ago talking about something in which I mentioned a an organization called the Transition Integrity Project. And uh, I'm still not quite clear. Well, I, I guess I could just get on it and tell you exactly what they are. A nonpartisan group of over 100 current and former senior government and campaign leaders, academics, journalists, polling experts, and former federal and state government officials. And it was formed in uh, last year uh, to out of concerns around possible manipulation or disruption of our election. Uh, the woman who wrote the piece I'm I'm writing is uh, reading, sharing. God, jeez, you can tell I need a weekend. <clears throat> is a woman named Rosa Brooks. <clears throat> she is a law professor at Georgetown. She's a former Pentagon senior official. She is also a reserve police officer in uh, Washington, D.C. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but that is who wrote, wrote this article I want to share with you. And one of the things that they did, this project of all these people who know elections because they've worked in them in one capacity or in another, is they decided to um, identify the most serious risks that could happen. And to do that, uh, because if you know the worst that could happen, then you can actively uh, work to keep it from happening. And so what this group did, and you would know many of the names um, on it who did this exercise, they staged, this was in November, they staged a series essentially of war games. Um, and they divided themselves into, uh, in the two camps were, of course, Biden and Trump. And they had people who who were Democrats, obviously, and who had worked with her Democrats, uh, being the Biden team, and the same on the other side with uh, Republicans and um, 
and others who had worked with Republicans on the other side. And um, she wrote up the worst case scenario. In fact, the scary thing is the only scenario that resulted in a relatively orderly transfer of power from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. This is obviously assuming Biden wins. The only relatively orderly transfer of power that occurred during their war games was when Biden won in a overwhelming landslide. Every other scenario, him winning in a not quite overwhelming landslide, and uh, Trump leading on election night, but then, you know, falling behind as absentee ballots came in, they did all of these scenarios. And every single one, except the landslide for Joe Biden, resulted in constitutional crisis and street-level violence. Every single one. So I think a lot of us are already of the mindset that that is where we're heading. But these people who are so far out ahead of us and who really know the territory and who gamed this over a series of days uh, tell us that that's what they think. And she lays out one of these scenarios, okay? And and the thing is, when you look at these, in this era, this Trumpian era, there is nothing too outlandish or seemingly something that we would in, in our recent past have said, oh, come on. There is nothing now that we say that to. Nothing. So here's a scenario they played out. And if you don't like the way it begins, you're you're saying, ah, come on, then just make it another little, you know, change it at the top. Because what this uh, transition integrity uh, project found out was that no matter what they did, it devolved into violence and crisis, okay? Except for an overwhelming Biden win. So here's one of their scenarios, and she just puts out here for us what happened, okay? And I want to take you through it because this could be something we're heading into. She says, picture this, on the morning of election day, false stories appear online claiming that Biden has been hospitalized 
with a life-threatening heart attack, and the election has been delayed. Every mainstream news organization reports that these rumors are unfounded. But many Biden supporters, confused by the bogus claims, stay home. Still, by late election night, most major networks have called the election for Biden. The former vice president has won key states and has a slender lead in the national popular vote, and polling experts predict that his lead will grow substantially as Western states count an unusually high number of mail-in ballots. The Electoral College looks secure for Biden. But Trump refuses to concede, alleging on Twitter that millions of illegal aliens and dead people have voted in large numbers and the uncounted ballots are all fake votes. Social media fills with posts from Trump supporters alleging that the election has been stolen in a deep state coup and Trump-friendly pundits on Fox News and OAN echo the message. Soon, Attorney General William Barr opens an investigation into unsubstantiated allegations of massive vote-by-mail fraud and ties between Democratic officials and Antifa. In Michigan and Wisconsin, where Biden has won the official vote and Democratic governors have certified slates of Biden electors, the Trump campaign persuades the Republican-controlled legislatures there to send rival pro-Trump slates to Congress for the Electoral College vote. The next week is chaotic. A list of Michigan and Wisconsin electors for Biden circulates on right-wing social media, including photos, home addresses, and false claims that scores of them are in the pay of George Soros or have been linked to a child sex trafficking ring. Massive pro-Biden street protests begin, demanding that Trump concede. The president tweets, real patriots must show these Antifa terrorists that citizens who love the Second Amendment will never let them steal this election. And around the nation, violent clashes erupt. Several are injured and killed in multiple incidents, though reports conflict about their identities and who started the violence. Meanwhile, Trump declares that unless this carnage ends now, he will invoke the Insurrection Act, which would allow him to tweet this, I will send our incredibly powerful military into the streets to teach these anti-American terrorists a lesson. At the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs of Staff convene a hurried meeting to discuss the crisis, and it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Now, that would 
what I just read would obviously seem like absurdity, craziness, but that is where we are. And it seems all too possible. And the founder of this project writes that that dystopia, (laughs) um, this is how every time they explored a scenario and they explored the scenarios that most consider the, the foremost likely things that could happen. A narrow Biden win, a big Biden win, a Trump win with an electoral college lead, but a large popular vote loss. And finally, they also gained a period of extended uncertainty. Um, as we saw, like in Bush v. Gore. And as I said, with the exception of the big Biden win, each of these exercises reached what she calls the brink of catastrophe with massive disinformation campaigns and a constitutional impasse. In two of the scenarios, a Trump win or extended uncertainty, there was still no agreement on the winner by inauguration day. And there was no, in two of these scenarios, and no consensus on which candidate should be assumed to have the ability to issue commands to the military. When they gained the Biden wins, but not overwhelmingly, but he wins in that scenario. And again, played out by people who know how Republicans play. Trump refuses to leave office. But it played out that he did leave office because he was escorted out by the Secret Service after pardoning himself and his family and burning incriminating documents. Now, again, as she she says, that the participants in these games were, um, were people who have been Republicans. Um, And on the Democratic side, people who have worked with uh, the Democrats And also something became clear in every scenario, Team Trump uh, playing, uh, simulating what they believed a Trump campaign would do. In every scenario, they were ruthless and unconstrained out of the gate, which was not the case for Team Biden which was constantly reacting to whatever the Republicans were doing. One of the things that played out is uh, Team Trump, you know, just constantly alleged that the mail-in ballots were fraudulent. And... uh, it ended with National Guard troops destroying thousands of ballots in Democratic-leaning zip codes. 
And as these things are playing out in these war games, over and over, Team Biden urged calm and national unity, while Team Trump issued barely disguised calls for violence, intimidation against ballot counting officials and Biden electors. Both teams did try to mobilize their supporters to take to the streets. Biden calling for peaceful protests while Trump encouraging provocateurs, then using the resulting chaos to justify sending federalized uh, personnel, troops into American cities to restore order, which of course then leads, leads to still more violence. Uh, and she goes on and on and on and on and all of it seems true. And when they come to like stalemate stuff, um, it, it's absolutely frightening with what can happen. Um, if, if both campaigns send competing electors to Congress to finalize the election, that happens, that happens by, by, per the Constitution, I believe, on January 6th in a joint session of Congress that formally counts the electoral votes and, um, and announces uh, who the next president is going to be officially. That happens January 6th. And their, their war game showed that we could easily get to January 6th with um, these competing groups of electors coming in and with uh, the Senate under Mitch McConnell arguing that the vice president, Pence, as in his capacity as president of the Senate, has the power to decide which electors will be recognized by the Senate. Meanwhile, Democrats argue that the House of Representatives has the con constitutional authority to choose which electors should be accepted um, and you get into the kind of tangle in which the joint session cannot take place. And in the war games, they could not resolve that standoff. And in her article, she says, it's not clear how such a stalemate would be settled in real life. Uh, um, it goes on. Uh, and it's frightening because it comes, you know, the military gets in, the media, of course, would play a very important role, but I don't know. And ultimately, they come up with uh, this. Uh, 
it might come down to us. When people unite to demand the rule of law, to demand democracy, even repressive regimes can be stopped in their tracks. Mass mobilization is no guarantee that our democracy would survive, but if things go as badly as these exercises suggest they might, a sustained, non-violent protest movement may be America's best and only hope. Well, I'm sorry about that. I told you it wasn't fun, but there it is. And I, you know, it's it's all frighteningly, frighteningly plausible, isn't it? You know, the... Uh, the federal government has already been weaponized to serve Trump's reelection in a way that I don't think has ever happened before. Um, we learned of the fact that the um, Department of Homeland Security in July came out with this memo warning that uh, the Russians were planning uh, major social media attacks on Biden's mental health. And they refused. They refused. The people at the top wouldn't let it out. In fact, the chief of staff of uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, wrote this to the authors of the of the report, please hold on sending this one out until you have a chance to speak to, guess who? The acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, who deep-sixed it. And make no mistake, if you ever thought that the Kremlin, the Russians, are not working on behalf of Donald Trump, that is Donald Trump's main message, too, is it not? That Joe Biden is somehow mentally incapable, that there's something wrong, right? Which is the most absurd projection that this president has engaged in, since quite clearly something is wrong with him. But why would Trump's Department of Homeland Security, <laughs> all, these, all these agencies now have misnomers for names. This is the Department of Trump Security now. And they would not want this out when it's quite clear that the Russian, the report is suggesting the Russians intend to do exactly what Trump is doing, that they're coordinated. 
that they're using the same game plan as they did four years ago. Oh, good. Father uh, Father Joseph has a uh, somewhat of a rebuttal to my dystopian uh, what's going to happen with the election. Uh, he says this, and this is right. He says, Lynn, a landslide for Biden would also mean a landslide for the House and Senate. And that would nullify Trump's efforts during his lame duck tenure. Except the, his Republican, the, the, okay, but the, the Senate would still be under McConnell until Inauguration Day. Anyway, wait. Back to Father Joseph. I have to learn to stop arguing with you guys before I read what you have to say. That would nullify, he says, if there was the landslide changed the makeup of the House and the Senate, it would nullify Trump's efforts during his lame duck tenure. Uh, why? Because Trump would close ranks around the few family members he trusts and worry about his primary concern, Donald Trump. His supporters in the House and Senate will leave Trump like well-known four-legged creatures leaving a sinking ship. You got something against saying rats, Father? The military won't back Trump. Its loyalty is to the Constitution. I can tell you the senior officer corps, at least in the retired ranks, of which Father Joseph is one, is having that conversation right now. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. I think, Father Joseph says, what will really happen is that he will not concede but the country will press on. He certainly won't attend the inauguration. Thank God. One more thing. After the inauguration, I suspect the wheels will come off the Trump financial empire. That's because he won't be able to manipulate the justice system as former president. Well, but let's be clear. All of what Father Joseph says there, which gives us hope, is, is going off the scenario that Biden wins in a landslide. A landslide. And that remains to be seen. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. Dear Lynn, I wish you would just stop. No one knows the future. No, but don't we, um, no, I think you prepare for, I mean, just as this project exists, because they felt it necessary to prepare for all possibilities. I mean, I think that's just a reasonable thing to do. What would we do if this happened? Is it possible that that could happen? And so you're not caught 
flat-footed, you've actually considered these things. And as unhappy and as frightening as all of this could be, I don't think hiding from it is, um, is a good idea, personally. Uh, oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm seeing things left and right here. Okay, so don't know if you saw this uh, as well. The White House orders a review aimed at blocking federal funds from places that the administration labels anarchist jurisdictions. Guess what those are? Portland, Seattle, Washington, D.C., New York City. Any place that he wants to hurt. And he flat out said in a five-page memo, my administration will not allow federal tax dollars to fund cities that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones. Now understand, and I said this yesterday, that cities are always strapped for funds. They, unlike this president, who has borrowed more money and put us in debt more than any president, cannot do that. They have to balance their budgets. They rely so much on federal funds to run the very programs that keep their cities functioning. So any effort to pull the funds from these cities would harm their police departments, would harm their people, would harm their ability to keep their cities from falling into exactly what he's accusing them of being. So make no mistake, this president, and this is something that he's probably going to do. Now, here's the thing. If he does do this, um, any city that he, that he does this to will immediately sue uh, the government and, uh, and say what he's doing is unconstitutional. And, in, and unless I'm out of my mind, yes, it would be found immediately unconstitutional. So this is, this is just more of him just missing no opportunity to create instability and crisis because he thinks, it remains to be seen, that it serves him. Uh, Bree writes, polling can be off, but not by that much. An article I read said Trump supporters won't speak to pollsters, giving Trump an invisible bump of 3%. 
and the Federal Election Commission chair is a Republican. Well, I don't know, Bree, how can you say polling can be off, but not by that much? It sure as hell was four years ago by that much, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. This is why we're going to have to see. I've been trying not to look at the polls because, you know, it's sort of like weather forecasters, you know, trick me once, trick me twice. You know, after a while, when does somebody lose credibility? Uh, uh, You know, when do I say, uh, guys, you took me down, you know, the garden path last time. And I'm not, I'm not giving you a chance to do it to me again. I don't trust your polling. I don't know if you know how to do it anymore. I don't know. I have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hey, <laughs> if you look at the Electoral College right now, there's something going on out there. It's different than before. It's completely different. It's a different roadmap. Biden's head in Texas, come on, in the southern states, there's something going to happen here. And what's going to happen is just like that father said, there's going to be electoral landslides for Biden because he's picking off things that weren't before. It's a different landscape. Something's going on out there, and the anger of the people that hate Trump is going to win win it. It's Trump. We're against Trump. Who cares about any of the issues against Trump? And that's that's the way it's got to be. And I believe by 10 o'clock on election night, <laughs> you will see that Biden has the majority of the electoral votes that he needs, and they will be calling that election at 10 o'clock because there's going to be – this is going to be like a Barry Goldwater or something like that. There's something that's going to happen. It's well, it should be. It it sh- yeah. It, it's going to happen. And we're not going to have to worry about – ballots and all that he's gonna trump's gonna end up with a handful of lands, uh, electoral votes and biden's gonna have way past what he needs and that's how it's gonna turn out i just believe it i think it's gonna happen i believe it this time in 2016 let's not forget about that that changed there it wasn't the same as election with trump so things are going this is it we're gonna win well thank you thank, thank, thank you yeah. thank you that's my daily pep talk from a from a caller who used to be the most depressing caller of all time. Unbelievable. I did see uh, that the polls now show Trump even in Florida. Now, let's here's where the caller's scenario rings true. If Florida uh, goes to Biden, um I there's no that then he's got the electoral college. That's I mean he'll have he'll have Michigan. I'm not sure sure about Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. I'm not. He should have those which Trump had last time. I don't see Trump taking any state he didn't take last time. And yes, you do see him losing some of those states. Here in Pennsylvania, guys, we have our work to do. 
Pennsylvania is not a sure win for Biden. Pennsylvania is not a sure win for Biden. And we got work to do. I think I have another caller. Caller, hello. Yes, hi, Lynn. Hi. This, this is Mike. I'm in. I'm calling from Moundsville, West Virginia, which is Ooh. West Virginia is a Republican state. So <laughs> I'm going to go vote for Joe, but uh, I don't think it's going to count much. Just like it didn't count much last time because the state yeah. is going to go for you know who, and I probably. don't know why. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, cause they don't know their own, I, I guess cause of the coal stuff more than anything. Right. Yeah, um, but, but coal, coal <laughs> is, and I, I know a lot of people that are coal miners in the coal miners union and I support the union, but I don't necessarily support coal. It, it's like how many steel mills reopened in Pittsburgh? Because uh, of Trump? Yeah. Um, I, uh, last count, uh, uh, zero, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, and 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 there are other things. Well, anyway, but the whole thing is is that is that the demographics of the United States of America favor Biden tremendously. Yes. Because, and, and I think the whole goal of the the the, the Trump people is to keep people from voting. If everybody votes, we got it. It will. It, it possibly could be a a Biden landslide. This, I mean, I was listening to you. I, I turned you on this. On, on, turn on the uh, podcast this morning, <laughs> and and what you were saying. I mean, it, it it frankly scares the hell out of me. If that would happen, that's a huge. That's that's tantamount to a a, a, a civil war. Yes. Yes. We need a. We need. <laughs> we need Barack Obama again. We need somebody. To well, that ain't going to happen. But I know, I know, and, and we need Joe Biden and, and yeah, and, and, and Kamala Harris. We need both of them because they will reunite this country. That's what we need. We don't need division. We need. Well, you know that, and I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, you make sure you vote, because who knows? Who knows? Well, I'm going to vote. I, you I bet. Always vote. But, but, but <laughs> you know, we, but the country needs to come together. And, and most Americans, even, you know, you talk about, you know, Mitch McConnell and, 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 and uh, you know, Mitch McConnell being in charge of the Senate. Do you think he would support something that's, you know... Well, that's against the Constitution? Well, I don't know. But here's the other thing. Mitch McConnell could be a lame duck. He right, might right. get... He lame, I, I right. doubt it, frankly, but he could be. I don't know. I don't know what these these awful people will do. They should, They certainly haven't given us any reason to believe they'll do the right thing. But, but in my heart of heart, I believe... In my heart of hearts, I believe that there are honorable... Republicans. Where are they? Why haven't they spoken out? Well, well, I, I honestly, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of people like, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking of people like, like John McCain. Oh, he's no. Well, but he's dead. 
Yeah, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, give I me know, a living one who's currently in office. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't, can't tell you, but I don't think they're all Trumpsters. They can't, well, um, yeah, well, he's not in office anymore. Isn't he? Well, like, know. okay, I'll help you here. Mitt Romney is clearly not Mitt a Trump. Right, right. Mitt Romney is in office, right. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, you know, it's it's a bleak, bleak picture. It is. God help you down there in West Virginia. And, uh, <laughs> hey, thank you for calling. It's nice to hear uh, hear your voice. Thank you, man. Love Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Barbara sent me this. Um, I guess it's in the comments uh, in the Washington Post uh, of that article. Um, little Tony, you might want to turn your, uh, you know, run, run away. Uh, it says, if Trump loses, the days between November 3rd and January 20th will be pure dangerous, chaotic hell. If Trump wins, all the days after November 3rd will be pure, dangerous, chaotic hell. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Is there another caller? I'm a, I'm a little confused, Amy. Um, if there is, come on in. Maybe not. No. Okay. no. Oh, hello. There is. Hi. Hey. Hi. Uh, I think I think you hate when people call in with these reports, but I but uh, I hate when I what? Wait, <laughs> when people call in with their sign reports, like how many signs they're seeing out. No, I don't stuff. mind that. <laughs> I, go well, ahead. Well, I will tell you that. So I've been driving all, about several hours out of Pittsburgh north and well into red territory, and I of the opinion that already in September there are way more Biden signs than I remember seeing Hillary signs a couple of years ago. I do remember where some of the pockets were for Hillary signs a couple of years ago, and um, there instead of there being pockets, there's just a steady trickle along the roadside here and there. <laughs> and a Good. Couple, a couple interesting battling, you know, uh-huh. neighbor conflicts and stuff like that that are I've been watching. Um, but uh, anyway. That gave me some amount of hope. I agree with what you said that you still don't know for Pennsylvania, but it definitely looks better than it did four years ago as far as the roadside cap. Okay. Well, at, and it's definitely Trump, Trump territory. Uh, well, I like hearing I, that. So thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say, well, this is the downer, is <laughs> what you were just saying about McConnell. Um, yeah. You've talked about McConnell a lot. You know exactly what he's going to do. Yeah, he's going to do whatever it is he needs to do to keep power for either himself or for Republicans, whether that's, that's what constitutional I see, yeah. or not. So, yeah. like, there's no question that that's you know you know exactly what he'll do. So, all uh, right, but but there's a lot of Biden signs out there. Okay, well that's <laughs> so good. That, yeah. That, uh, anyway, that's all. Thank you. And thank you. You bye. too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And I believe there's one more caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, well, it's David. Um, Hi, David. Hey, uh, morning. I, hey, um, don't usually call two days in a row, but you know, you you listen to stuff on the television that sparks your interest, and there you go. Um, I'm, I was referring to that uh, little party that that Trump had on the boat yesterday down in North Carolina, 
in Wilmington. He he was a, he was addressing uh, the World War II Heritage City. That's what it's called now. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> and what I knew about Wilmington was that there was a massacre down there. Uh, yeah. And uh, it 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 was a. Uh, it was the same thing as the deal in Oklahoma there, uh, that, that Tulsa, that uh, all of these middle class uh, um, black people got got killed because uh, mm. they were they were showing um, progress and pulling themselves up from uh, the, that pre Civil War status that they had. Wow, and. Uh, I mean, it, it. They had in Wilmington. They had the only um, black-owned newspaper in the United States at that time. That was uh, like the turn of the century, like uh, you know, 1900, 18. I think it was 1898 to be exact. And hmm. uh, this uh, this move to burn down the newspaper and drive off the the editors um, and uh, killing a number of citizens. Uh, set back the um, the, Ref- the Reformation. I think it's called the Reformation. Is that what it's called? Was that the the post Civil War when we came in to help out the, the no. slaves to regain? Not, no, now I'm blanking. Reconstruction. Um, Reconstruction. Reconstruction. Thank you. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Reformation was another whole deal. Well, because Jim Jim Crow came in and said this ain't gonna stand. Right. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. know, there's no mention of, of, of that. It's, of course it's, not. It's all this. Of course broken, not. Power broking, broken. Oh thing, God. Uh, where uh, you know he's, you know, here's the force. You know, I'm standing on this uh, used battleship from World War II and telling you, you know, that I, that I'm all about this. Uh, you know, the World War II memories, not, but not the uh, the Black Massacre memories. Oh, he's so vile. God help us. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's 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 weird, you know the the, the choice of the cho- choice of historical events that he he wants to yes. focus in on and right. just prop himself up. And I I I told you the other day about this wicked Pittsburgh, and I did find the uh, the name of the author. Um, okay. It's uh, yeah. Richard Gazarik, G-A-Z-A-R-I-K, and uh, he's the author of *Wicked Pittsburgh*, which is a, okay. A fun thank read. you. We're all okay. Here. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Um, bye. Uh, guys, I have what else I got here for you? Um. Oh, remember uh, we talked a little bit about uh, that awful woman, Ms. Bell, um, and suggesting putting some pressure on her employer, uh, KDKA Radio. And uh, guess what? Tonight, (laughs) oh God, tonight, uh, the um, KDKA Radio is going to be getting a big award by the Pittsburgh Press Club. And it's unbelievable. This The Press Club gives out these uh, awards called Golden Quills. I have a, 
a number of them gathering dust in my basement. But uh, they are they have chosen to give an honorary award tonight to KDK Radio, and the timing could not be more uncomfortable. Uh, there are people who belong to that club who will be absolutely enraged by this. Now, um, in the press clubs, uh, it, it's just tone deaf on their part. It's really too bad. It is, uh, I guess, the 100-year anniversary of KD, um, which did start in 1920. So I guess that would make it the 100-year anniversary. And so this is a special service to journalism award for KD's contributions to the profession. And yeah, you know, looking at its history, as I mentioned yesterday, it has uh, it has had a proud history. It does not have a proud present, and it hasn't for some time. Um, when it employs a talk show host who says, and I'll quote her, she said this on her show, my easy solution for the park rangers and hopefully snipers who are hopefully going to be watching for this is to shoot on sight. She makes a shooting noise. Shoot. Done. No more messing with our monuments. You want to mess with a monument? Done. And the station that airs that is going to be getting this award. Just wanted to let you know. God. I can't imagine they're going to have their usual dinner. You know, usually there's a big dinner and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they can't do that now, right? So, whatever. Mike writes, I agree 100% with your assessment that Pennsylvania is a toss-up. Traveling out, oh, here we go with more signs. <laughs> Traveling outside the city into the burbs and further out, nothing but Trump Pence signs. And not just signs, billboards, flags, banners, all of it. There's a lot of enthusiasm for Donald Trump out there, not to be underestimated. All of it defies reason, but they listen and act on the Fox News messaging that they get fed on a daily basis, and they hang on his words like singing from the lips of a savior. Stay strong. Definitely not over till it's over. That's from Mike from O'Hara. Yeah, I, yeah, we cannot afford to assume that Pennsylvania will not make the same mistake again. We cannot. I want to believe that Pennsylvania, that, excuse me, Philadelphia, its suburbs, um, maybe Allentown, Harrisburg, uh, and Pittsburgh will be, have enough heft 
to counter the Alabama middle of this state. And that the coasts, the far reaches east and west of this state and a few little areas in the center will will save us. We have to do more than hope. We have to work uh, toward that that end. Uh, I also want to, well, I have you here. Um, give you some information on evictions in Allegheny County, and this is not, this is miserable news. Uh, More eviction cases were filed on Tuesday, this Tuesday, than in the prior two months combined as landlords took advantage of a gap between the limits on evictions. So this there was a gap because the CDC order, I don't think, goes into place until tomorrow. So um, landlords saw an opening uh, because there was that gap between the moratorium on uh, the state put in. Uh, CMU is... Uh, tallying these uh, numbers, it says the uh, these cases, these new filings, uh, include concentrations in certain areas of more than 10 evictions, and that's in McKees Rocks, Clareton, Penn Hills, Coriopolis, and the city of Pittsburgh's western and northern neighborhoods. Um, I mean, this is, one cannot imagine how awful it would be for people uh, in the midst of this pandemic. A lot of these might be older people, unable to pay, uh, definitely poorer people, and the result could be homelessness. Um, There were 13,000-plus eviction cases filed in the county last year. Uh, That's a little less than 60 per day. Um, I want to find this thing. So Tuesday's 181 evictions include 20 that were filed by one landlord. And I want you to know this landlord because this this has to be awful people who are willing to use that little opportunity when they know it's closing down. And in fact, I don't see how these evictions go anywhere if the CDC's uh, moratorium till the end of the year Uh, comes into effect tomorrow. Who's going to uh, adjudicate these? I don't know. The the landlord that is attempting to evict 20 uh, tenants 
is Arbor's Management, A-R-B-O-R-S, Arbor's, on its website calls itself a premier property management company in Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania. Uh, and they are refusing to respond to um, requests for more information from reporters. At least four other landlords in Allegheny County have filed five or more evictions. Uh, so, I don't know. Just wanted to to say that, you know, people, as 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 you know, almost everybody is enduring um, difficulties now all of us in some way or another, but we cannot lose sight of how some are really terrified of losing their homes, of being able to feed their children, of avoiding this killer virus, Uh, There is so much that when we have uh, an opportunity to, you know, see the bigger picture and if we are in a relatively safe place, uh, we've got to note that and then do whatever and as much as we can to ameliorate the suffering of others less fortunate. Apparently, we are about to enjoy a beautiful Labor Day weekend. And while we are, and I hope not partying, we do not need to see the same kind of ridiculous spike that happened because some people think, but it's Labor Day and we always have the so-and-sos and this and that's over for a barbecue. If you can't be smart about it, well, I just don't know what to say. Well, we're enjoying this beautiful and I hope uh, safe Labor Day um people in the western and southwestern united states are heading into a hell and I, I i i don't know if you're aware of that but a hell uh temperatures forecast to set records for hottest days ever in various locations expected to get up to 100 15 degrees in the San Fernando Valley. And this, of course, helps to resurrect some of the fires that they have been getting under a measure of control. Um, Nevada, Montana, Utah, California, all are facing some really nasty weather. Um, The Weather Service is forecasting 
that this is going to be hotter than the event that happened just two weeks ago when the highest temperature ever recorded, reliably recorded on Earth, was recorded in Death Valley at 130 degrees. They're saying this is going to be worse. Forecasters in L.A. are telling people to stay indoors and calling this weekend an exceptionally dangerous event. Temperatures this high, this widespread, are rarely ever seen in this area. All daytime outdoor activities should be limited or canceled. Extreme stress on the power infrastructure will likely lead to power outages. And this elevates the fire weather conditions that can create uh, growth in um, these fires. So um, I just wanted you to know that you should really appreciate how lucky we are this weekend to have a uh, a beautiful holiday weekend. Let's see the uh, Allegheny report before we go. Oh, there were issues. It is delayed. Okay. Um, all right, guys. I guess that's uh, that's it. And I will be taking Labor Day off. So. Um, I will be back on uh, on Tuesday, and frankly, I could use um, four days where I'm not obligated <laughs> to pay attention to what is happening, because we all do need some some respite, although we cannot turn away for long. That's my my advice. Okay, guys, have a good, safe, smart Labor Day weekend. And remember what it is for. It's to honor workers. It's to honor workers, many of whom are on the front lines in this harrowing time, many of whom have lost their jobs and are desperately trying to hang on to their homes and their sense of dignity and their lives. So remember what it's about. It's not about barbecuing. Love you. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.